going to be bouncing around actually between three, three Matthew, Luke, and Mark. Some of you were asking the question as we finished up Ephesians last week. We uh, told you we might get into some of these other things. And some of you had asked the question about Jesus and the temptation in the wilderness and some of the things that went on around that. So we wanted to spend some more time with that. I posted it up on Facebook if anybody uh, caught that here today. The main question that we saw was, did the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by the devil? And so we look at the scriptures that are there. First one in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, the way that phrases that, that sure sounds like that the purpose for which the Holy Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness was? Now, not just to be tempted, be tempted how? By the devil. Now, wouldn't that just be swell if the Holy Spirit leads us into places and use the devil as a tool? <laughs> I mean, that just, I don't know about you, but, you know, that could get us some problems. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1 puts it this way. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Now there, it doesn't quite sound exactly the same way, like that was the purpose of it. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 9, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Now there, it doesn't quite have the same sound as Matthew, where the purpose was there, but it also gives us the indication that while he was there, that it seems like the number one thing on his list was to be tempted by the devil. Now, wouldn't that just be fun? That, you know, part of your job description as a Christian is just to go into a place and be tempted by the devil. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes. So we broke this down, and I was looking over the different scriptures that were in this and, and um, spending some time on it. So the first thing we came here is what is meant by, uh, by Jesus? What is meant by Jesus was tempted? should have put that in quotes. What is meant by Jesus was tempted? Well, the word here for tempted is the, the word perazo, and it's from para, which means to test. What this is actually getting to when you, when you put it in this word is uh, endeavor, scrutinize, entice, examine, prove, tempt, and try. So one of the first things we always do whenever we do a Greek word study is to look up the word, the actual Greek word, in the other scriptures. If you look up the word tempted, you won't necessarily find this word. You'll find a lot of other different words. There are a lot of different words that are used, for, that are used translated as tempted. This word just happens to be one of them. And so we're going to get into a breakdown of some of those things. Now, those folks of you that have quick verse at home, you know, you can do that real fast. Or some of the other Bible programs that are out there, you can do a, a study on a word and find that. Here, let's take a look at this. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 1, Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. So they were testing him to um, kind of see what he's made of. Most of the time you're going to see this word used in the Gospels. This word is speaking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees testing Jesus. That's most of the time you're going to see. Not all the times. Obviously, we just looked at a couple where Jesus was uh, tempted by Satan. 
But here, most of the time, you're going to see this the rest of the time in the Gospels. And I didn't even put them all in your um, outline. I put a lot of them in there. But this word is used in about 36 different verses in the New Testament. More than 36 times, because some of those verses, it's used double. But over th- or three dozen verses in the Bible have this word in it. In Matthew 22, and verse 18, But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Luke chapter 11, verse 16, Others, testing him, sought a sign from heaven. Again, testing him. John 6, chapter, uh, verse 5 and 6, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to... And it's the exact same word that is used. Does Jesus have any evil intent? No. No evil intent at all. Now, the others did. But Jesus has no evil intent here. But notice that he he said this to test them. Let's see what you're made of. For he himself knew what he would do. I already know what I'm going to do. But let's just test you guys out. What do you think we ought to do? You know, let's just like if you were an electrician raising up other electricians and you ran into a problem and you knew how to fix it. What would you do to your apprentice? How would you fix this? Right? What what would be the purpose? Your purpose would be that he'd get it right. Because at this point in the process, you feel like he's got enough that he should figure this out on his own. Otherwise, you wouldn't ask. It wouldn't be a right question. If you're going to test an apprentice in that area, you've got to, first of all, have given him the tools. And so Jesus has given them the tools up to this point, And so he's testing them to see if they know how to use them, if they can actually put them into, into work. What do you think we ought to do? We've got this uh, multitude coming out here. Need to feed them. How do you think we ought to do it? And, of course, you know their responses. Well, you know, if we had all this money, we, we couldn't go into town and buy bread for them. There's really no place around. Jesus already knew himself, inside of himself what he was going to do. If you had a professor in, in college or in school and they asked you a question on a test with material they had not gone over yet, would that be right? No. The, it, the idea of a test is to see how you're doing with the material that they've given you. So the idea of a test would be to see how you're doing with the material that you have so far. You've got something And the test is coming to see how you're doing with it. What's going on with with that information? And so Jesus was, in this exact same word as used here, of the disciples. Acts chapter 5, verse 9. Then Peter said to her, How is it you have agreed together to test the Spirit of God? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. So they had agreed together, whether knowingly or not, they're going to see if they can put one over in the Holy Spirit. They're going to test him. Acts 16, verse 7. After they had come to Messiah, they tried to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit did not permit them. Now, that same word is in there. Can you find it? It's kind of tough to pull that out just by looking at the translation, but the word is tried. They tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. That's the exact same word that's used. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 9. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. 
Now, put this verse in here for a specific reason. Because this verse carries this word one time. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. They sound almost identical, don't they? Here's the difference. The first occurrence has the word or the, the preface ek. Ek periazo. When ek is put before this word, it is always used of testing in an evil sense. When it is not there, the context will determine whether it's evil or not. So neither let us in an evil way tempt Christ as some of them also tested and were destroyed by serpents. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Now your, your eyes would immediately go to the word. Test yourselves. But that would be incorrect. That is not the right word. The right word is examine. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Examine yourself. In other words, you should come to the point where you test, try, check out yourself. Examine yourself on this to see whether you are in faith. So sometimes this test can come from ourselves. Sometimes it can come from Jesus, God. Sometimes it can come from Satan. Hebrews 11 verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was what? Tested, exact same word here, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. James chapter 1 verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Now we see that word used four times there. How many times do you think it is the word we're looking at? You have absolutely no idea. I know you're afraid to guess. I don't blame you. Four times. <laughs> all four times, all four times is that. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Same word. Each one is test or tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So go over it again. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Because, or for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Now that to me seems like a perfect place to put the word ek in front of it. But they did not. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. So there it shows our role. Even though the temptation may come from other places, it's our own, des own desires. It's our own lust to bring us into that. Revelations 2 and verse 2. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. They have tested. We've got to sometimes do this, folks. We've got to test some things that are out there because not all of it is true. Not all of it is true. You've got to put it through your own test. You've got to try it yourself. 
That's why we're always challenging on things with the news media. Because the news media, they're liars. If the news media people are opening their mouth, trust me, they're lying. There is nothing that they will do to bring about truth. Not a single one of them. I throw them all out. I don't listen to any of them because they are just terrible liars. And we're going, how many of y'all excited about a new political season? Oh boy, did they, did they ever try and go through and, and, and test us with these particular things? But I'll tell you, as, as this, I don't know how much you've been following the political stuff that's going on this week, but it has definitely exposed the media for the frauds that they are. The absolute and, and dire frauds that they are. Now, you may have a favorite political guy coming on up and running for one office or another, and that's all fine. But I'll tell you what, it is, is intriguing to see what they're bringing out. How many have heard all the things that have come out about the Herman Cain situation? It is the news media making a story where there was none. There was no story. They quoted unnamed sources. And then I, I've, you know, the, one of the shows I listened to, they played some of them. Then they were going, well, we, don't ha- we can't tell you who said it. And we can't tell you what they said. But this is the end result. Well, how much garbage is that? Oh, we're not going to tell you, but just sow the seed that this kind of thing may have gone on. And one person actually came out and said that they made, uh, that uh, Herman Cain had made non uh, what was it? Not non, uh, 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 not not very strong sexual advances, or something of that, that nature. Well, it turned out that did you hear about what it actually was? A little bit of detail is squeaked out of this thing, and apparently, what Herman Cain did. This is how they are liars. They want to bring the thing up and discredit. They discredit the people they were afraid of, and they have good reason to be afraid of Herman Cain. And so they want to discredit him. The whole story between him and I heard him, he came on a show and he identified one of the things. And he said, what happened was we had this conversation with a person that was working to him in the restaurant. And he mentioned to her, he says, you know, you're about the same height as my wife because my wife comes up to right about here, right up to my chin. And that was considered to be a sexual advance. Now, is that right? What it was interesting is that the news media is okay with ripping apart a person who is a minority in this country or of a race that's of minority as long as they disagree with them on other things. And Herman Cain is one of those. And you can go down quite a list of people that they have ripped apart regardless of race or nationality simply because they didn't agree with them. Herman Cain is right now one of them, and he's unafraid of them. I like this guy. He's just unafraid of them. And uh, he just gets up there and he speaks what's going on, and, and uh, I enjoy that. Uh, there's another guy. There's a senator. I believe his name, his name is Adam West. They have ripped him to shreds. Marco Rubio, they have ripped him to shreds. There were two political or, or, or judicial appointees that President Bush appointed that were Hispanic, and before they even made the nomination process, they ripped them to pieces. Judge Bork ripped him to pieces. They tried to do the same thing to um, Justice Thomas, but he got through. But they ripped him to say, and I, t- I, I had quotes from Kennedy and other ones that actually used his race as a thing against him. And these are the people that want to say that they aren't racist. And they are liars. 
They are frauds. And as long as the person agrees with them, I mean, Clinton over there, there's no, you come up to about this high, the same height as my wife. There's not that. He actually abused people. He was actually caught doing how many different things to women. And what they do? They came out and discredited the women. Don't believe what the news media has to say. If they have anything to say bad about a candidate, probably you ought to find out some more things about that because they're probably pretty good. Because they, they are just, they are liars. In Revelation here, God said to these guys, you saw some people who presented themselves as apostles and you tested them and found out they were wrong. We ought to be doing the same thing with people who want to steer us in directions politically and people who want to steer us in directions spiritually. You ought to do the same thing. Test them out. Find out, find out if they're liars. Find out if they're truth people. Most of the time, you'll, if it's from the media, I'll tell you what, they, I don't trust them. They have reasons to rip people apart. If they like a candidate, then I, I take a second look at them. I don't, maybe, they may not be that good. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until the end. And I will what? Be faithful. He's telling them ahead of time the testing is coming. You're going to be put in prison and you are going to be tested. Stay faithful. Obviously, the test was going to be to try and get them to be unfaithful. He says, stay faithful until the end. And after that, I will give you the crown of life. Let's go back to this Mark chapter 1, verse 13. I, I got weast on this and he, um, he said that the, the word actually meant originally to make an experience of to pierce or search into. Originally, this word was to, was to mean to make an experience of or to pierce or search into. It came next to me to try intentionally and with the purpose of discovering what good or evil, power or weakness was in a person. Eventually, it came to mean that. To try them for the purpose of discovering what good or evil, power or weakness was in a person. It means, therefore, in its basic usage, to put to test to see what good or evil there is in a person. To put to test to see what good or evil is in a person. Then, since men so often break down under such a test and display the evil there is in them, the word came to mean to tempt. But that not, it was not in the original meaning. In the sense of soliciting a person to do evil. So because when this testing came upon people, it generally brought out the evil in folks. This word became drawing out the evil, bringing out the evil or tempting. The word is seen in its two uses here. The last Adam was being put to the test to show that he was equipped and ready for his ministry as prophet, priest, and king. The universe was looking on God the Father and the holy angels, the fallen angels and the demons. What a battle royal was waged there. What tremendous things were at issue. But not only was he put to test, he was solicited to do evil by Satan. Now, here's our next question we want to take on. We studied this word as it was used throughout Scripture. Not all the places, but I gave you a pretty good sampling of it. When was Jesus tempted? 
When was Jesus tempted? In Mark chapter 113, put that up on our screen for us if you would. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts and the angels ministering to him. Now, one of them, I think it was the first one we looked at, Matthew, it seemed like it was uh, uh, after, after he was uh, fasted, then the devil came to him. But if you look at this word, how it was used, the word for tempt, our word that we're looking at here, is in the present tense participle, speaking of continuous action. It speaks of continuous action. If you, it would be like this. If you are in your home and you go over to a door and you say, I have closed the door. That is a past completed action with the present result that the door is still closed. Right? I have closed the door. That means the door is still closed because I have closed it. It's a past action, but the results continue on until someone else comes along and opens that door. That door remains closed. It's the same word that's used, or the same tense that's used for salvation. Salvation is in the uh, present tense participle. It's a past completed action with current and ongoing results. And so here it was a, a, a it is a, it is a uh, continuous action that's going on. The devil came in and began to test, but continued throughout the whole 40 days. At the end of the 40 days, we are given three of the temptations. But we're not given all of them. It did occur throughout the whole thing. Now, Weiss puts the translation this way. And he was in an uninhabited region 40 days being constantly tempted by Satan. So, for the 40 days, he was constantly tempted by Satan. Now, does that not sound or give credence to that perhaps the purpose for bringing Jesus out into the wilderness was for the temptation? Would seem to be that way, wouldn't it? But let's go on and read the rest of the verse in the Weiss. And he was with the wild beast. Now, think about this. He's with the wild beast. You can just read over that real, real easy. But if you were out in the wilderness and you hear wolves, what does that do to you? <laughs> I mean, you're by yourself. There's no one else around. He didn't have a gun. I don't know if he had a fire going or anything like that, but... You know, you start hearing the wolves howl and, and all the other creatures. I think I heard that there was jackals and some other things that are out in this, this particular area. And, you know, the whole lot of creatures that just are not real nice to be around. They don't like people a whole lot. And they would want to come over. Now, if you were out there for 40 days and 40 nights and here in the wilderness, what would that do to you? Would that for you be a temptation? Now, remember, Abraham was taken down to, to um, the promised land because that's where the Spirit of God wanted him to go. He got there and he found out there's famine in the land. So what's he do? He leaves. But the Spirit of God did lead him down to the promised land, didn't he? But then he left. He got out because he didn't like what was going on down there. So Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He could have got out there and said, you know what? This is so nice. I like this place. Have we go to a nice secluded house? I'll rent a room somewhere. We'll do that. He didn't do it. He stayed out there. So just staying out in the wilderness was a, a challenge. Because uh, Mark here, he mentions the wild beast. And the angels, they were with him. Yeah, but you know how Weiss puts it? And the angels were constantly ministering to him. So in the same way that Satan was constantly tempting him, the angels were with him and constantly ministering to him. 
So if you have it this way, that the angels were, were constantly ministering to him and the devil was constantly ministering to him, then it would not seem that the Holy Spirit let him out for the purpose of being constantly tempted, was it? Because there was also constant ministry going on. The angels were there. Now, whether the angels showed up in a material way and the wolves said, you know what, there's an angel over there. Because Daniel was in the lion's den and the lions did not come near Daniel when the angel was there. So it may have been the same kind of thing that was going on there. Don't know. It didn't give us all those kind of details on it. Now, if we go back over to... Um, uh, let's uh, go back over to Mark chapter 1. Well, I'll go back over to Luke chapter 4, verse 1 first. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he came out of the Jordan. That was where he was baptized by John. And immediately out of that, he went on over to here. In uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 9. And it came to pass in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And he immediately came up from the water. He saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Immediately the Spirit of God drove him into the wilderness. So what we have here is that Jesus is about to embark on his ministry. Before he does, he follows into the baptism. Which God said, this is, this is good. I'm glad my son did this. But the Spirit of God came down like a dove upon Jesus. Would that seem to be a distinctive difference before the baptism as to after? The Spirit of God came down upon Jesus. That makes you a what? Target. <laughs> that makes you a target. And he has become a target. And when he goes into the wilderness, we see that because of this target, Satan has come upon him. Because before he was a threat, and certainly there was a temptation that were going for on before, now he is a bigger threat. The Spirit of God has come upon Jesus the man. And he's preparing for ministry. The next step now is to go on out and begin the ministry. Before he does that, the Spirit of God with pulls him into the wilderness, isolation, getting away from everybody else, and we're just going to minister to here for a little while. So Jesus had just been anointed for his call. He had just been anointed for his call. So he became a target. So would God's purpose be in line with trying to stop or encourage him in this? If you're God... And you sent Jesus for the purpose of winning over, redeeming mankind. And you just, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, just send the Spirit of God down upon him. Do you want to stop or encourage him in this? If you're the father. I think if I'm the father, I want to encourage him. I don't want to see him stopped. I want to see him encouraged. Who wants to see him stopped? The devil. So God leads him into the wilderness for the purpose of encouraging him and building him up in this. We just, he just stepped into a new level. He just went into a new level. The Spirit of God came down upon him like a dove. And now we're going to take him into the wilderness and we're going to train him up in this. We're going to encourage him. We're going to give him some things about walking in this. 
And the devil sees this and, well, we need, to, we need to stop this. So the devil comes to try and war against this while the angels are there ministering constantly to keep, to keep him encouraged. He's got to learn at this point what to do with this, with this Spirit of God just came on him. Remember, he laid apart, laid aside his deity. He's got a man body now. He's got to work it in, in that way. So what purpose did 40 day, or what purpose did 40 day fast serve in the rest of the Bible? When you see other people who were on 40 day fasts, what purpose did they serve? And there are not that many 40 day fasts in the Bible. There are, there are a few. But when people went 40 days without food, it was generally for a, some kind of divine purpose. Moses had one. He's up there in the mountain being tempted by the devil. No, what was he being done? He's talking to God, getting the law, writing stuff on tablets. Forty days. Long time. We see other ones that, that had. And every single one that we see went into that and got built up by God when they came out. And all of them came out different. When Moses came out from that mountain experience, what happened to his face? It glowed. That's a change. These folks came out with a change and it was a positive change. So if we look at those other examples, then why wouldn't we think Jesus was a positive change too? Not one that was negative, just, well, let's just see if you can survive these temptations. They came. But I don't think that was the purpose for it here. Now, we want to go through here and take a look at some other testings. One we've already seen in the Word of God. It gave us already the example of Abraham. That Abraham, when he was going up to the sacrifice, it was a test and the exact same word is used. When it's described in the New Testament, the exact same word is used. I'm going to see what he's made of. Let's see what Abraham's made of. We've got to see because in order for us to bless him, to bless all nations through him, he's got to get through this test, doesn't he? We've talked about that before. It was imperative that Abraham, when that test came to him, he had to pass it. Otherwise, God could not do what he was going to do. He needed a man who was willing to give his son in order for God to be able to give his son. And so, the whole time, God is preparing him, building him up, getting him to where he needed to be, so that when that test came, he would pass it for the purpose of promotion, isn't it? For the purpose of putting him in a position to receive the blessing that would come for all mankind. Daniel was in the same thing. Daniel was in a place of testing. We just went over this recently in the Sunday mornings. That he was, he, he knew the test was coming. He knew the people were in there drawing up the papers to have the legislation passed that was targeted for him. And he kind of just said, let them do it. And when they did it, he went in there and prayed just like other times. And they all went in and complained to the king. And there he is, he's doing his thing. And he had to get thrown into the lion's den. It's like he knew the test was coming. And once the test came and he went through it, what happened? Exaltation, revelation, promotion came. And he was given the greatest understanding of end time events of anybody up to his day. Peter. What did Jesus tell him? Satan has desired to sift you. He actually said it to all the disciples. But when Peter made, up, made the thing, oh, I'll go to the death with you. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. But I prayed for you. And we went over that a little bit ago just looking at the, the prayers. And when he came back, what happened? Now, see, he went through that testing. Did he pass? No. Was he expected to pass? 
Yes. He was expected to pass. And greater blessing was on the other side if he had. Now, he didn't pass. What happened, though, after this? Didn't Peter go through this again? Didn't Peter have the opportunity to back down with the name of Jesus? And what did Peter choose to do? I'll tell you what, you guys decide. Should we preach in the name of Jesus or listen to you? <laughs> nah, I think we're going to have him preach in the name of Jesus. And when he came back to his own company, he said, please pray that we don't ever have to go through that again. Now, what did he say? What did he pray? Give us more boldness. We were bold before. Give us more boldness. So did he pass it the second time? And did exaltation come? It sure did. Paul, when the vision came to Ananias, what, what happened? I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer for my name. I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer. And when Paul had to suffer, what did he do? Passed, through, passed right through him, didn't he? Didn't back down. Kept on going. Did exaltation come? Did, wasn't Paul, once he got born again and the Spirit of God came upon him, was he not pulled aside for not 40 days but a number of years in which time he got the revelation where he was caught up into heaven? He even tells about it. I don't know, in the Spirit, out of the Spirit, I'm not sure, but I was caught up into heaven. He didn't say himself, but you can kind of tell us who he's talking about. And he was given the mystery of the church. And he brought that revelation down to us. The mystery of the church. And most of, we know, most of the things we know about the church age came from Paul. But Paul had to get to a place where he went through that test, that trying. Because if God is going to give these things to people, he's got to know that you can handle them and you can do something with them. Then if you can, then all right, we're going to give you more. More is going to, more is going to come. What's well, the same thing with Jesus? If, if God had made the rules different for Jesus than he had for the rest of the people, would that have been fair? If God said, well, you know what? You're my son. I kind of like you better. Let's just, get, let's just skip all that testing stuff. I know we had to do it with Abraham. We had to do it with Daniel. We did it with David. You know, we did it with Saul. Saul to make it. But, you know, kind of like you. Let's just not do that. They mentioned David, but you know, David went through it as well. David was anointed. Did things change after he became anointed? Yeah, but they didn't change with his family. But they changed as far as what was put on him. And then when he went over to the battlefield and he saw Goliath, what did he do? What's going to be done for the guy who kills this guy? I'm ready. Send me in there. Give me the ball. I'm going in. He's ready. He, is that not a test? And were there not other places where David, David was tested along the line? And he came through. Now, a couple of times he messed up. Thank God when you mess up, you can redo. <laughs> you get a redo on the thing. But he was tested and more and more came. And eventually he got through some of the tests and God said, All right, David, I'm making you this promise. You will never lack one to be on the throne. And he even gave him the promise that Messiah was going to come through his line. But that didn't come right at the beginning, did it? Now, if you go over to Saul, Saul, when he messed up, when the test came, 
wait for me seven days, and I'll come and make the sacrifice. And he gave all the excuses why he made the sacrifice himself. Well, you know, you didn't come in the appointed time. It's still, it's the seventh day. It's still in time. The test was there, and he didn't come through. And so then Samuel said, well, you know what? We're just going to give you a redo. What do you say? You know, God wanted to, God wanted to make you an enduring house. That's not going to happen now. And when he failed a test again, God says, "All right, now I'm going. I'm looking for a replacement. You're done." Which is a shame because his son was a better man than he was. Jonathan would have been a phenomenal king. Absolutely phenomenal king. But Jonathan went through a point of testing, didn't he? When he saw David. It's all the anointing. You, you got my job. <laughs> and Jonathan said, this is cool, man. This is what God wants. I'm okay with this. Then he passed the test. There are times of testing that comes. But God wants to see if you're ready for the next level. The reason that you have tests in school is to see if you're ready for the next level. Because if you're not ready with what's on this level, you can't move up to what's on the next level. Jesus just moved up a level here. The Spirit of God came down upon him. Now, let's take them over here. Let's give them some opportunity to learn to move with that. Angels came on down ministering to them. And the devil came along too. See, the devil doesn't always realize it. Maybe he does. I don't know. But he, when he comes and tests you, if he doesn't succeed, he gives you the stepping stones to get elevated. When he comes to test you, his idea is to bring you down. But when God sees that, oh, wow, look at that. They made it right through that test. Stuck with what they needed to stick with. They're ready to move on. We can take them on to, to newer heights. You know, they do this in the sports team all the, all the time. In baseball. Baseball is one of the easiest ones to see it in. Baseball has three different levels of minor league assignments. Single A, double A, and triple A. If you make it at the single A, what happens? And get moved up to double A. If you can't make it at the double A, do you go any further? No. If you make it at the double A, then you can go on to triple A. Now, sometimes I've heard some, some things. If some people go right from double A to the pros, and some people go from triple A to the pros, and, and um, uh, that, that may be. But you're still, you move your way up in the system. They're looking for... How are you going to do with this? How are you going to? And sometimes they bring somebody on up and they get to the pro level and they can't do anything. So what happens? They go back down. One of the uh, Phillies pitchers, one of the best pitchers they have, Roy Holiday, was up on the pro level and did not succeed. And they sent him down to the minors. And he went back down to the minors. He, said, he determined, I'm going to relearn this. I'm going to learn how to do this. And he relearned it and came back up and never went back down again. They don't put you back down in the minors for the purpose of keeping you there. What's their purpose? They want to, they, they want to have you come up. They want you to be able to, to do well on that level. But they know in order for you to do well at this level, you've got to do well at this level. If you can't do well at this level, you're not going to move up into, into this level. And, and God says, you need to be able to function down over here. I think there's a, a, an Old Testament scripture. I forget where it is. But... You know, it's something to, to the effect, if you can't run with, uh, with men, how are you going to run with the horses or something along those, those lines? 
We've got to learn to run. We've got to learn to go with this. No matter what temptation comes, I'm not giving in. Was Joseph tested? Was he eventually brought to a place where, all right, now you're ready? And was he exalted? Yeah. Was Adam tested in the garden? How'd that go? <laughs> it didn't go that well, did it? <laughs> and, and he didn't move on, did he? <laughs> he did not move on. He, did. he was the first Adam. He failed. So the second Adam had to come and, and bail him out. But Jesus was taken into the wilderness because the Spirit of God was put on him. He had already been successful all the way up to there. So now he moved into the next level. The Satan saw the next level. And he said, let's get on him now. Then the whole time angels are ministering to him constantly. And the whole time the devil is, is tempting him constantly. But he didn't get anywhere. No success. And so Jesus moved on to another level. I put this in your outline here. We don't have a problem so much with Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, do we? The fact that Jesus is tempted in the wilderness does not cause us problem. It's more is the purpose of the it's more of the purpose God had for him. If God had the purpose of him going into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, that can give us an issue. But God is just looking to see how we handle the things that come. He knows the enemy's going to come. He's already warned us the enemy's coming. The enemy wants to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you. That in the end, you'll come back. Build up your brother. When Israel was in, in the wilderness and they were tested with no food, no water, the army of Egyptians behind them, all those things, was the purpose of them being tempted for them to grumble and complain? The purpose was for them to step out of faith and say, let's believe God. Just like God delivers over there in Egypt, He's going to deliver us right here. Let's watch and see what He does. Every time that they faced a problem, the, the goal was that they would face that and say, Glory to God, let's believe God. But every time they faced a problem, what did they do? They kept complaining. So after ten times, what did God say? You know what? I'm done. You guys are out. You guys are. I'm not even paying you to be in the minor leagues anymore. You guys are done. You're all wiped out. I've, you, I've terminated all your contracts. You are gone. I'm going to raise up the new, new generation. And your kids are going to go into the promised land. But you are not. Except for two guys. Joshua and Caleb. Because they passed. And they would, they would continue to go on. But they had to wait with all the rest of them. But that was not God's purpose for them to be in the wilderness for 40 years. That was the purpose that came up because they were disobedient. Because they failed. God does not have a purpose for us to be tempted by the devil and to fail. His purpose is to build us up from one stage to another to another. He knows what is down the road and he's working to get us prepared. If we yield to him, we're prepared. doesn't mean that it's not a step. Of, it's not tough. All these guys who went through some tests, they faced, for Abraham, that had to be a hard thing to put that son up on the altar. There's nothing you can tell me that prepared him and made it. Oh, this is easy. That's just, come on, get up here. I'm going to stab you. There's nothing that makes that easy. But when he got there, he said, now we can, we can do this. There's nothing that makes it easy to have an entire Egyptian army coming up behind you and for you not to even be nervous. 
But there's a difference between the way Israel handled it and the way Elisha handled it when the whole army came after him surrounded around his village and city. God wants to get us ready. Promotion is ahead if we go through the testing. God's purpose is to exalt you, to elevate you, to bring you to a greater place because then He can get greater glory out of you. He can get greater works. We looked at Gehazi before. Elisha's servant. And Gehazi failed when temptation came up. Elisha did not. Elisha went on when he was Elijah's servant. And even when Elijah's trying to chase him away, you know, go on, just, just, just wait here, I'm going to go on. No, no, wherever you're going, I'm going with you. That's my call. That's what I'm doing. Wherever you're going, I'm going with you. Okay. And he gets to the next spot. You know what? Just stay here. It's okay. Stay here. I'm going to go on. No, no, <laughs> not going to do it. Gehazi didn't pass this test. And instead of the possibility of him carrying on that anointing to a third level, the third generation, it was done. Elisha took over Elijah's spot, but no one took over his. Gehazi may have been intended, may have had that opportunity, but he didn't take it. He didn't go on with it. There's some things God has fought for for us. He's not going to lead us into a place to be tempted. That's why Jesus, when he teaches his disciples to pray, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For that is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. It's not God's purpose to lead us into a place of temptation. But some of the places where we go, there will be temptation. Jesus led Israel into the wilderness, and there was temptation there. No food, no water, problems. But they didn't have to go the way that they did. Jesus went into the wilderness and there was temptation there. Now, he didn't give into it. The purpose of God is to build you up and move you on into the next level. To give you the education, to give you the revelation, to give you the knowledge, to get you through whatever it is that's coming up. But you've got to listen to Him. When He tells you to study out a certain thing, you need to study it out. When He tells you to get into prayer about a certain thing, you need to get in prayer about the thing. When He tells you to get saturated with the Word, you need to get saturated with the Word. When he says, get out there and lay hands on that person, you need to get out there and lay hands on that per- person. You need to listen to what he has to say to do. He's got a purpose. He's got a reason. It's for your good. And ultimately, for the good of the kingdom. But it's all for your good. We just gave you a handful of examples here. But the Word of God certainly has other ones that you can go through and you can see as well. After we've been proven excellent, by whatever testing time comes, there is promotion to a higher level. There was for Jesus, there was for Abraham, there was for Daniel, there was for Peter, there was for Paul. There will be for you and me if we follow it after the right way. Father God, we thank you for the purpose that you have for us, that your purposes for us are good. They are purposes of blessing. We thank you for it. We look forward to the things that you have for us, that you lead us into. For every one of them prepares us for what's ahead. You know the tests that are come, that are coming. Some are intended by the devil to bring us down, but you've already prepared us for them that we wouldn't have to go down. Just as Jesus led his disciples in and said, pray that you don't enter into temptation. 
We can be led into places and you're telling us what we have to do to avoid falling. All we need to do is listen. You are preparing us for what's ahead. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, did I answer your questions on, on this sufficiently? Were there some other things that you were thinking about? Was there some other observations you had on this story I didn't get into? Or questions you still have lingering? Or comments you'd just like to make? Yeah. Yes. In this in this instance, and I don't know if the warriors behind that. In this instance, is God is Jesus referring to as God as Elohim? You can't tempt Jesus in the same sense that if you, if you catch me, it, he's. I, I got it right here. Let no one say uh, James one thirteen. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not tempted by God, but God cannot be tempted by evil. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. Now that second, the second tempt, the third tempt. I'm sorry, but God cannot be tested by evil. Tempted. It is word. Well, I mean, it's translated. It's the same word. It's the same word. It's translated tempted here because of the word evil. So it's the context we can can tell us. To me, it would have been a perfect place to put the word ek in front of it. But they did not choose to do that. They they wrote it in like this. But as far as evil is concerned, God's not going to be brought into it. Nor is He going to lead any of us into it, or do any, or set us up to fall into evil. His whole thing is to have us go into the into good things. So I think that verse certainly tells us that his purpose in leading Jesus in, into the wilderness was not for the purpose of evil. Does that um, get... So it, it probably should have said Jesus... No, oh, I wouldn't say that. It, it said what it's supposed <laughs> to say. <laughs> well, it should have said Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. Well, the print... The, what they're translating there is, is the... Uh, I think I've gone over this well. Is a present tense participle. Participles in Greek are very difficult to, to translate in English because we don't have them. It's a tense, it's a, it's a word usage we don't carry. So it, it can get wordy to try and carry it. Weiss does a nice job when he translates these, these participles. There's aorist particles, there's present participles, there's imperfect particle, participles. And they all have really intriguing meanings. But this particular one talks about an a, uh, 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 ongoing action. And so it was not to be tempted. That's not the right, right phrase. The way it was is the way we translated it. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was constantly tempted by the devil. That would be the proper way to do it. But again, it's a participle. We do not have a translation for this in English. So we throw a lot of words, extra words in. So to be, temp, to be is not in the Greek. Tempted is. But it's a participle. Now, how are we going to phrase that in the English? Does that make sense to you? The, the, the Greek has a word for two. The Greek has a word for be. And the Greek has a word for tempted. The word for two is not there. The word for be is not there. The word for tempted is. So, to be tempted, you've got two words that are not in the Greek and one word that is. They're trying to translate the participle. They did a terrible job. We did a much better job. I didn't really get into all the other translations. I don't know message. You read that before. I didn't even bother looking at it. It was a, it was a mess. <laughs> it, was, it was an absolute mess on, on that one. And uh, so I just didn't mess with it. Weiss does a really nice job on handling those. So I just went to him. And uh, that was really all we needed to, 
to do. I even I haven't looked them up for a while, but I even looked up Diggs. Diggs had absolutely nothing on it that I could find anywhere. At least in my computerized version of Diggs, it didn't have anything on it. Um, but that was uh, what verse was that again? It was one thirteen. Yeah, let me see if I can find that in the Weist translation again for you. Here it is. And he was in the uninhabited region forty days, being constantly tempted by Satan. Present participle. Present tense participle. I think I misspoke on this one before. An aorist tense participle is one is a past completed action with present results. Whereas the present tense article or present tense participle is ongoing action. He was in the uninhabited region 40 days being constantly tempted by Satan. But then it gets to a point where it seems like then Jesus says, okay, all right, I'm going to entertain you now. Because when it says he took him to the top of the, the mountain and then he took him to the top, you know, now Jesus is just inter- engaging him now. That was at the end of the the thing. We don't know how the temptations were in the middle. We're not given any of them. Forty days of temptations went on and we don't give, um, we have nothing about it. But it went on. According to the Greek, it went on. After 40 days of fasting, now he hungered. And that's when he came, that's when we had the first written temptation of the tempting for food. But understand, there was other temptations that went on before. We don't know what they were. But since the wild beasts are mentioned, I'm sure that they were brought into the temptation somehow. Because <laughs> understand this. We have three of, the, three of the authors of the Gospels telling about this story. Mark is the one who tells about the beast. Where does Mark get the story from? Because Mark's not with Jesus the whole time. Nope. John wrote his own. Peter. The Gospel of Mark is truly the Gospel of Peter. Because Peter is the one who, uh, we're told, relayed all the information to Mark and Mark wrote it down. So Mark's writing this down and Peter is relaying it to him as who told it to him? Jesus. So somewhere along the course of things, Jesus sat the guys down and talked to him about the Period of temptation. And Peter, his ears perked up when he heard about the wild beasts. I don't know why, but his ears perked up and he passed that on. The other guys seemed to not mention it as much. I don't think they mentioned it at all. But he did. And he must have been telling them a little bit more, I would think anyway, of, of the whole of the whole thing. I mean, if you're going to tell somebody, I was in the wilderness 40 days and the whole time I was being tempted by the devil... I think that Peter probably would open up his mouth and say, what kind of things went on during the 40 days? But all you got was the three that went on the end. <laughs> so I'm not sure why that is. We get up to heaven, we can find out what all, all that was. But the only way that they know what's going on in the story is if Jesus tells them. Because he's the only one there. He's by himself. They were not with him then. This is before they were picked. And the Word of God says in Mark again, it's the uninhabited region, which means... People don't live there. 
Anything else on, on that one? That was yeah. Right into the wilderness, yeah. And the Spirit of God came down upon them? Yeah. I don't know how many people were there. Well, there were some people there because, yeah, there were some people there. Yeah, because yeah, uh, John says to uh, the people, when he came to be baptized, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he just disappeared. Yeah. Yep. My, my, my comment was what they just said, I guess, on the, the verse we're looking for, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 5, 6. So, Jeremiah, if you're worn, this is the message translation. So, Jeremiah, if you're worn out in this foot race of men, what makes you think you can race against horses? There you go. And if you can't keep up, if you can't keep your wits during this, or during times of calm, what's going to happen when troubles break loose with the Jordan and the Jordan? Yep. Yeah. Thank God for phone apps, huh? <laughs> There it is, right up there on the, on the top. And this is the New King James Version. If you are run with the footmen, and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, in which you trusted, they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? Yep. So if we're not good when things are calm, how are we going to do when problems come up? Because they will come. Jesus was not spared them. Israel was not spared them. Abraham was not spared them. Jacob. Job. Uh, yeah, how many? I mean, you cannot name anybody in the Old Testament, New Testament who was spared. They came, and Jesus even said the tribulations will come. Some of them are going to come because of the word in you, and some of them are going to come for other reasons. But they will come. This world hates the word of God. It hates the word of God. This is why they get so much against certain candidates that run for offices. Michelle Bachman is an outspoken Christian, as I understand. And uh, she has become under great scrutiny. Herman Cain, did you hear him for professing his faith? Uh, the last day or two, he had an interview. And oh my, he, I think he sang Amazing Grace. I think that's what I heard he sang. I didn't hear it, I just heard about it. Did anybody hear it? I think I heard that he sang Amazing Grace because they said that's, that was the song that just ministered to him about the grace of Jesus Christ. And I heard... Uh, some of the things he said about it. So, wow, that's, that's a good test. Because I had not heard him talk about his faith up until that. I think he has. I'm just saying I haven't heard him talk about it to, to that, uh, that degree. Uh, Rick Santorum, strong man of faith and very much uh, picked upon for his faith. Tim Tebow. I mean, it, it, this, yeah, the article you posted up on there. I mean, 